Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live. It's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. I want you to open your Bibles up to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Thank you for helping us lead worship today. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Get that out in your Bibles. And we're going to take a look at a passage of Scripture here in just a second. But uh, like I shared with you, today is Pentecost Sunday. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about it. It is a Jewish festival day. uh, and, And this is the day that the church was birthed. And uh, this is a very significant day for us. This is our birthday. Today, we're doing a birthday celebration in God's house. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool how all of this has come about. Now, growing up in a church, I grew up in a church that we called ourselves Pentecostal, which meant, man, it was all about Pentecost Sunday. And, and so I always grew up in church when we looked forward to Pentecost Sunday. Here's why. It's because I just knew at Pentecost Sunday that my dad would get up there and preach a good message about the Holy Spirit, and and I'd listen to him, and I'd drink it in, and and it would be a day where, for some reason, maybe it was just the anticipation, because I know God was always in our gatherings, but maybe it was just, just knowing what day it was. I would, I would encounter God's presence in incredible ways. I remember day of Pentecost growing up. There were times where I would come to the front and pray. Dad would, would not only do a Sunday morning service, but he would do a Sunday evening service. And man, we would come on Sunday night and just pray and pray and pray. And, and, uh, and, and I remember one time when I was uh, seven years old, I, I remember I prayed and we had these wooden benches. We called them altars. And we had this wooden bench and, and that we would come to the front and pray on. And, and I missed that. Boy, I, I, and I, but I remember praying and crying, and just big, big tears. And I remember just weeping. And, and, uh, and, and then it was the next Sunday came around. And I told one of my friends, I said, yeah, God really touched me in church last Sunday on Pentecost Sunday. And, and they said, well, what happened? I said, well, let me show you. I said, here's where I was. Here's where I was praying. And I saw, I saw my tear stains on the altar. Now, if I would have had a, a, a cell phone camera back then, I would have taken pictures of it and said, look what God has done. I mean, I, you know, we would have, we, that's, don't act, yeah, you guys do crazier things. I'm like, Come on, some of you show, show us your food that you're eating. Like, I don't even get that. But, but I, 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 that was a precious moment for me. And it's funny because that moment is indelibly marked in my memory because I remembered what God did for me. I remember what God did for my family. I remember what God did in our church. Pentecost Sunday after Pentecost Sunday. <laughs> but the thing is, you can't manipulate what the Holy Spirit does. You, you can't, like, try to recreate. I can't recreate what happened uh, in that little church of my dad's when I was a child. But the Holy Spirit does unique things every single time and way. And I think one of the most powerful things God's going to do today is God's going to speak to you. God's going to bring healing to you. God may fill you with His Holy Spirit. And God's going to work through our prayers on behalf of our city. I believe it with all my heart. Well, today's message is entitled, There's Purpose in the Power. Come on. There's Purpose in the Power. Write that down on your notes. Uh, I want to give you a little bit of backstory to this text we're about to read. Uh, Jesus had risen from the grave, and things were going wonderful in Jerusalem. And uh, with the followers of Jesus, they were all pretty excited. Uh, Jesus would make these appearances here and there. And, uh, but, but right before he was about to be caught up into heaven, 
he was talking to his followers. It was, it was the, the disciples, the 11 disciples at that time, but also a group of, you know, a large group of other people. About 500, the Bible says, were there at this moment. And so we pick up on this story in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. I have, I have a lot of scripture I want to share with you this morning. Are you okay with God's word? All right, you need your Bibles. All right, get you get your Bibles. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Take a look at this. It says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them the command, Do not leave Jerusalem. All right, in other words, don't leave the city, okay? Because people were there from all over. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John, that's John the Baptist, he baptized with water. But in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's pretty incredible. Now, like people tend to do, you know how you're talking about something really serious and then people try to change the subject? His disciples decided to change the subject. Okay, so it says, and they gathered around him and asked, okay, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by him as authority. So he answered them real quick, and then he got them right back on topic again. He said, but, oh, this is good, you will, hey guys, this is a promise for you too. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Around here we use the terminology you make Jesus known and that's being a witness for Jesus but it it's comes through this fullness of the Holy Spirit. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So this was, uh, Pentecost was actually 50 days after uh, the Passover, after Jesus had this, the Last Supper with his disciples. And, and it was a Sunday morning. Uh, back then, Sundays was not like church day or anything like that. It was, Sunday was just a normal work day. The Sabbath was on Saturday. That would have been church day in that culture. But already it's, it's assumed that the believers were beginning to meet early on Sunday morning before they went to work. They would get up early on Sunday mornings and they would, they would come together for prayer uh, because that was the time when Jesus was risen. And so they would kind of mark that. That's, that's actually where our tradition of Sunday church came from. Did you realize that? The first evidence of it is the day of Pentecost. So they were together there at the, on the day of Pentecost. And this is 10 days after Jesus had gone into the clouds. Now let's jump over to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And I want you to follow along here because the story continues. You've you got to know the story here. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, again, it's a Jewish festival, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind from heaven came and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Can you imagine? With the sound of wind, and there's this fire that seems to descend and then separate out and, and like these individual flames, tongues of fire resting on each person. That's what it appeared to be. Amazing, right? And then it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now this was the gift that the Father had promised them. Jesus had told them this is what's going to happen. And so this gift from God, the Holy Spirit was upon them. Now now, what happens here is with incredible power now in them, things begin to shift rapidly. Uh, Peter, Peter was one of the, the disciples. He was probably known as like the key head disciple at that time, probably about 25 years old. He would have been the oldest of the disciples. They probably were all from about 15 to 25 at this time. And uh, Peter then <laughs> launches the church 
with this Christianity launch sermon. I mean, it was launch Sunday for the church. And, and so Peter gets up, Peter gets up, and he begins to preach. Take a look at Acts chapter 2. I want you to go down to verse 14 to see the beginning of his sermon. Look at his sermon. He's preaching now. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. So they're, they're all standing together, which are the disciples. They're, they're standing together now. And he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Okay, they're outdoors. You see that? Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Go, oh, guys, come on. I love what the prophet Joel says. He quotes him. Now, he's quoting an Old Testament scripture. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters, they're going to prophesy. The beauty of that is, God says, there's no more gender gap. Then he says, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. What does that mean? That means that, the, that this, this, this prophetic anointing rests on the young as well as the old. There is no age gap in God's kingdom anymore. Oh, this is good. Even on my servants, both men and women, again, he brings it up. <laughs> he brings it up. Let's stop the gender gap thing here, right? He says, on my servants, whoever's, whoever's calling on the name of the Lord, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Servants, meaning it doesn't matter whether you're the wealthiest of the wealthy or you're or you're barely getting by, all right? He just says, I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So as he's preaching, there, there becomes this supernatural shift that begins to happen. Jesus foretold this. Uh, the prophets, Joel also in particular, who we quotes, wrote about it, but it's here. It's now. It's happening. It's unfolding right, behind the, their, uh, right in front of their eyes, and nothing would be the same again after this encounter with God. Now, I want us to skip to the end of the sermon. Let's look down at verse 36. I want you to see how he wraps up the very first Pentecostal sermon right here. The very first spirit-filled sermon. This, if you ever, you know, someone says, I've heard, heard people refer to various individuals as Pentecostal preachers. And like, I, I still don't really know exactly what the definition of that is. But I tell you, I know one thing. This is the first Pentecostal sermon, all right? Because on the day of Pentecost, by a man filled with the Holy Spirit. This is beautiful. It says, therefore, verse 36, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. <laughs> when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied back, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you. Oh, this is good, guys. This is for you, too. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That's us. The promise is for us now. And all who call on the name of the Lord, all, all whom the Lord will call. Now look down, keep, keep going. With many other words, so he preached for a long, long, long time. Many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. And listen to this. I think this is a good word for us today too. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. And how do you do that? You do it through the encounter of God. Presence of the Holy Spirit. You repent, you're baptized, you're changed, and you become a change agent in the culture. You become a change agent in your city. It says those who accepted his message were baptized, and, there were <laughs> and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. The church was born. You know, it's interesting because 
Another very significant day that had happened thousands of years earlier was when Moses came down the mountain with the, with the, uh, the commands of God. And when the law of Moses was given, do you realize 3,000 people died? Because the law was harsh. But when the Spirit was poured out, 3,000 people were saved. The law was written on stone, but uh, the law of God is now written on our hearts because of the Holy Spirit, because God lives in us. The Holy Spirit, he, he fell on every follower, every believer in Jesus who was in unity praying that day in the heart of Jerusalem. And the thing is, his power and his presence is still for us today, just like Peter said. Here's the deal. Holy Spirit power changes you. It changes you, though, so that other people can be changed. And it's not just for you, but it does have a dual effect. You know, so there's purpose in the power. That's the title of the message. There's purpose in this power. I mean, 2,000 years ago, the very first spirit-filled preacher was a man who was actually transformed. His name was Peter, Simon Peter. And, and the Holy Spirit had transformed this rough guy into a Holy Spirit preaching machine. But I want to let you know, guys, I've, been, I've read his story. And he was a, he was a messed up guy. But in spite of what happened, the Holy Spirit transformed him, and that same Holy Spirit will transform you. I, I just want to encourage some of you to stop your own false narratives. Well, God's mad at me. He doesn't love me. God would maybe love me if I did more nice things or if I could do more good things, then God might love me. But I've messed up too much. Now, I want to tell you something. You are beautiful in the eyes of God. You might be flawed, but as the Holy Spirit begins to work in you, you become even more beautiful. That's God's desire for you. God loves you, and you're beautiful, whether you believe it or not. Now, now's the time to start believing it. Peter, he was a rugged fisherman. Now, I, 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 I kind of go out around the Trinity and, and get a little exercise, and, and I, I like to do that. Fortunately, I have trails very close to my house. But just about everyone in Fort Worth has trails close to their house, so it's kind of a nice deal. But I was out, out on these trails, and I was just loving it. And, and, uh, but I, I just noticed so many people out there fishing, a lot of people fishing. And it's like, oh, you know, they're nice, calm people just throwing their line in the water. And you hit certain places, people even do fly fishing. And it's just interesting. But <laughs> that was not the kind of fisherman Peter was. Peter fished for a living. It was his job. So he would go out at night, and he would fish all night long. Work. Have you ever worked nights before? I did. I, I worked nights all through college, and I'm telling you, man, I would, I would, uh, the next morning I'd go to class, and, and, and I would just, I'd, you know, be my 8 a.m. class, great, great, and then, like, by the 9, 10, 10 a.m. class, I would just sleep. I had one professor talk to me one time and said, Tim, I noticed that uh, in our 11 o'clock church financial administration class, you keep falling asleep. And I'm like, yes, sir. I know. He goes, but I know you're working nights, and so I'm going to help you out. He actually helped me with my grade a little bit. So. But, uh, but that doesn't happen very often. But that was, that was kind of a blessing that day. I guess college professors can do that. But, but Peter, he would work nights and sleep during the day. We'd get his fish and, and drag the fish from the nets into the community so that they could be sold so he could, so he could earn a living. Fishing was his business. But see, one day Jesus came along and said, Hey, you, Peter, throw down your nets and follow me. I want you to start fishing for people. Okay, that was the call of God. Now, God didn't say, I want you to repent of your sins and get all, everything right in your life, and then I might think about being good to you. Actually, he said, No, come on. I, I, do you want a purpose in your life? Come follow me. 
Now, his life wasn't perfected at that point, but he began following Christ. He began, and, he, and God began preparing him to fish for people. And the beautiful thing is God then cleaned him up, just like he used to clean the fish. See, Peter was a guy who wasn't afraid of, of saying something wrong. I mean, he was a man of, like, impassioned convictions, and he was, he was eager, and he was impulsive. Peter was reactive, uh, energetic. He was also self-confident. He was too aggressive quite often. He was very daring and unstable and fickle and weak. And he also was even a coward. So how would you like that for the guy who's going to be the, the, the Holy Spirit preaching machine? Well, that was him at the beginning. And I think he was kind of like guided by his quick impulse more than anything else in his and just because he would just react without thinking things through. And Peter would vacillate from one extreme to the other. And you're like, well, where is he coming from? What's he, what's he saying? I mean, you think about that. He was a mess. How could God use a person like that? How could God use someone like that? The thing is, we harshly judge ourselves, and we're supposed to examine ourselves. We're supposed to. Sometimes we harshly judge ourselves and we beat ourselves down and we say, God can't use me. I'm just too messed up. And today I want to set you free from that. I'm telling you, Peter was so messed up, he reacted and he rebuked Jesus. Who would want to do that? I mean, he rebuked Jesus himself. I mean, he rebuked him. I, I, I tell you, right, right now, that, that's like uh, lightning's going to fall from the sky. I don't know what's going to happen, but he did that. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus looked at him and he said, Hey, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. You are an offense to me and you don't understand the things of God. Well, after a harsh rebuke like that back, what did Peter do? He, uh, well, he just gave up and went back like, Well, God can't use me now. No, what he did is he corrected things and he made things right. In fact, that's the strongest rebuke that Jesus gave any of his disciples during their entire ministry. But, but Jesus didn't reject Peter, and he's not rejecting you either. See, God knew about Peter's uh, flaws and dysfunction. Peter was a dysfunctional mess. I mean, right before the crucifixion, he, he reacts, and he pulls out a sword and is attempting to go down on the head of one of the uh, one of the, the, the servants or one of the, the police guys from the church, I can't even remember what they were called, but uh, temple guard and, and police guys from the church. Yeah, that kind of sounds interesting, but that's what they were. They, they, were, the, they were the church cops. So, uh, but he, he got so angry at him, he took a sword and went straight down on his head. The guy, I mean, he missed. Thank God either Peter missed or the guy moved, and it just, the sword just came straight down and sliced off his ear. Yeah, what a good guy. Man, he's got it all together, right? You know what Jesus did? Jesus just reached down and picked it up and put the ear back on the guy's. No infection. I, I know I believe that. <laughs> and he healed him. And, and he said, like, Peter, stop this nonsense, you know? Dysfunctional Peter. Dysfunctional you. Right? But Jesus heals our mistakes just like he did that. In fact, even a few hours later... <laughs> Um, into the night, Jesus had been arrested, so they, they start to put Jesus on the trial, and Peter 
three different times that night before dawn, three different times staying up all night, people confronted him about knowing Jesus, and he denied he even knew him. Come on, this is Jesus' closest disciple. This was the one Jesus was, was most in relationship with, and he said, I don't even know him. And, of course, you go that far with God, God's going to reject you. Amen? Good there are no amens because God's not going to reject you if you go that far. (laughs) Uh, uh, He's not going to reject you. He went so far. But Peter, what he did is he got on his knees and he cried and he repented. Yeah, his, his original name was Simon. Jesus changed his name from Simon to Peter. Peter means rock. You know, the original Rocky, that is Peter. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my rock on you. I'm going to build my, I'm going to build my church on you. And he's thinking, I'm going to, God's going to build his church on me. What does this mean? In other words, Jesus said, I'm going to, the, the, the gates of hell, I mean, hell cannot win because I'm going to start with you. And you're going to be this image of, the, of, of what I want to do with people. And you're going to be like a rock. And then when the church began at Pentecost, we see the rock coming to life. Peter, I mean, he was like a rocket just sitting on a launching pad. And he was just making a bunch of noise and puffing steam, kind of like the SpaceX thing just recently. Just making a bunch of noise, puffing steam and everything. But all of a sudden, bam, God launched him out. He was transformed, and he was transformed with power and boldness. And I'm telling you, that power and that boldness is for us as well. And there's also healing in every area of our lives that the Holy Spirit wants to do to that. God wants to do it in you. And on that day of Pentecost, they were in one mind. They were in unity. They were all in one place. They were worshiping God, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter was not only just filled with the Holy Spirit, just, but that power transformed his character. See, that's why we need God. He transforms our character. He wants to transform your character. And this newly transformed Peter He's no longer the unreliable, reactive, self-confident person. No, now he's bold, and he's the steadfast leader of the church of Jesus Christ, and he launches that church into its destiny. We're still reaping the results of what Peter did on that day. When he was filled with the Holy Spirit, that, that man who had been messed up then stepped out boldly, and he initiated a new era. The church was born, and Peter preached the very first sermon. He preached it about the saving power of Jesus. 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus that day. They're even all baptized on the same day. I don't know how they held a baptism service with 3,000 people, but they did. Think about it. This is the man who denied Jesus three days earlier. Now, I mean, he denied Jesus three times. Now it's 50 days later, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with God's power. I I like it because the three denials of Jesus, God reversed those exponentially. I kept kept noticing that number three popping up in a lot of different places in, in Peter's life and ministry as I read his story this week and studied him. But I, I found that he denied Jesus three times. Three times he did, like, did the worst possible thing, denying he even knew Jesus. And then God filled him with the Holy Spirit. He was transformed, and now 3,000 people were saved. 
Can God not correct what you've done and do an exponential results through you? You might say, well, I've done a lot more than three things. Well, I'm sure Peter did too. We don't have his whole story. But just think of how you've let God down. And, I, and God can exponentially change every one of those situations for his glory. And that's what he wants to do in you. I love it. So, so God isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for someone to fill with his power who's going to say, yes, I'm moving forward. And he wants to give you purpose in your family, in your community, in your, in your church, in your company in your city and in your school. And God does so through people who are repentant, spirit-filled, and transformed. One last scripture I want you to look at. Look at uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. I like this because this is his writing. He wrote these two, First and Second Peter, near the end of his life. And uh, in his writings, he outlines his strategy for spirit-filled growth. You see, because we become full of His Holy Spirit, but then we continue to grow. And here's what I'm, I want you to read this. I want you to look carefully at this because these are things I believe God wants to do in us and in you. He wants to do it in me. Look at it. First, Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 5. This is His dying words right here. Right before He was crucified upside down on a cross. He said, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, add some knowledge. To your knowledge, add some self-control. And to your self-control, add some perseverance. And to your perseverance, add some godliness. And to godliness, oh, here's a good word, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. Now, I want to zero in on those words, mutual affection. As I was studying this, I, I saw that those words mutual affection are different than the word love afterwards because this mutual affection literally means that you are to sharpen one another. It's the concept of iron crashing against iron and it causes some sparks and some heat and some intensity. We should be in relationships where there's a little bit of intensity so we can get sharp. Heat and friction, that's, that's what the church is about. Yeah, we're about love, but we also sharpen each other, not beat each other down. Sharpen. Well, this is good. And I hope this message is sharpening you. Sharpen my heart, even just preparing it. It's interesting because Christianity becomes effective when we begin to affect each other. Look at this. He goes on to say, For if you you possess these qualities in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm the type of person, when I see that, I I look at this and think, well, I don't want to be ineffective and I don't want to be unproductive. So I want these things. I want to live like Peter describes the spirit-filled believers to live. So wherever you are, I'm talking to you today. I don't know whether you're in a situation of not even knowing Christ, you need to make the decision to follow him today. Maybe, maybe you've given your life to Christ, but you're being held back because of all your mistakes and you just don't even know where to go from here. Can God really use me? Does God want to help me? Maybe you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you're just lagging and you just feel like, ah, oh, you know, I, sometimes I feel like I'm on fire, but other times I feel like I'm a, I'm just a trash can on fire, you know? <laughs> That might be you too. Wherever you are, 
God wants to minister to you today through the power of his Holy Spirit. Time to break free from some self-hatred and criticism of others and feelings of inadequacy and, and, and just dark personal misery. It's time to be set free of that. It is a new day. It's time to draw a line in the sand and say, no more, no more, no more. I'm moving forward. Run, run, run toward the power of God today. There is purpose in the power. I want us to pray right now. First and foremost, if you have never given your life to Christ or if you're far from him and you want to make things right in your relationship with him, I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. Just ask you to pray a prayer with me and say, Jesus, come into my life. It's very simple. His Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. In fact, let's just right now pray that prayer. And then we're going to pray something else here in a second, but I want us to pray that prayer right now. Come on. If you need Jesus, or if you're in this room and you need Jesus, would you just pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. I give up my past, and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for dying for me. Today, I choose to live. Today, I choose to change. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're also watching online or you're here in this room with me, and uh, you just feel like you're lagging behind and, and that God is, God's like really disappointed with you. I tell you, he, he may want to correct you, he probably will and he does but God also just wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit and maybe you've already been filled with the Holy Spirit well I'm already full well good then just get a little more full because <laughs> I think we all kind of leak the Holy Spirit from time to time too we do would you just pray right now and even where you are right now we're going to pray just for a new infilling of the Holy Spirit into your heart and into your life and you know what? God may just, may, God may do something amazing and wonderful even right now. And you may even feel it and sense it. Yet it may happen tonight. It may happen tomorrow. But I want you just to begin to cry out to God. We're doing this in unity right now. We're doing this in unity online and we're doing it in here. Let's pray. God, just pour out your spirit on us, God. Pour out your spirit on us. Pour out your spirit in our lives, God. We need you. We want you, God. We just pray for you to pour your spirit out and touch us and change us and transform us. God, give us a moment where we will go back and we remember the tear stains of when you encountered us powerfully, God. God, let today be a pivot day for our lives. Let today be a day where the past is put behind us. Let today be a day where the Holy Spirit begins to fill in those weaknesses, begins to fill in those rough spots with your glory. God, let it be in our hearts. Let it be in our lives. Come on, just pray for yourself right now. Just pray. Pour your spirit out on me. Pour your spirit out on me. God, I need more of you. I need more of you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name, God, right now, just come against the spirit of self-condemnation. Let it be broken in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you will give us a hunger for just new effectiveness. God, that we will crave transformation that comes from your spirit. God, we will lean into your word. We will lean into the spirit. God, we don't want to leave this service the same way that we came in. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, 
a little bit earlier we were singing that song and it's called tremble but I, I, I love the name of the I love that song because it talks about the name of Jesus there's something about the name of Jesus you know I remember when I was praying there on that wooden bench in my church where I received an infilling of the Holy Spirit when I was seven years old. That's the tear stain story, you know. But I, I recall one thing. I just recall saying the name of Jesus, Jesus, over and over and over. It just felt like there was just this overwhelming presence of God that just took over. Would you just keep calling on the name of Jesus? Speak his word. Pray. Just let his name come off your lips constantly. Watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do. Come on, let's just, I want us to sing that song one more time, that song about the name of Jesus. I want you to lead us, and I want you guys to engage the Holy Spirit. Just begin to say his name in here. Would you just please stand to your feet, or maybe you want to kneel or sit, but you do whatever, but I just want you to begin to worship the Lord. Come on, let's call on his name right now. turn this into a house of prayer and 
allow you just to pray in here, just to worship for a few more minutes. Let God minister to you. And I'm asking you, if you unless you need to, don't, don't feel like you need to rush out. Usher's going to open the doors here in a second, and you feel free to step out when you're ready. Just a couple things real quick here before we move into this extended time of prayer. But uh, go to the City Life app, and uh, you can get information on how to get the pre-screening and the tickets for next Sunday and subsequent weeks. That will work that way. Also, prayer meeting, I'm doing a meeting at 1 o'clock out in front of our building on the porch for those who want to just take a walk through Fort Worth and pray for a few minutes. I'm excited because next Sunday we'll have individuals who consider themselves at, at risk population. We'll be able to accommodate them in the foyer, so it's going to be a, it's going to be a good day. But uh, let's just don't let that spirit of Pentecost leave our hearts right now. Let's just soak in God's presence a little more. I'm going to have you guys lead us in prayer. In the meantime, I just want to mention this to you who are watching online. God bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Make Jesus. discovered your street of influence whether it be family government business arts and entertainment faith health and vitality or education head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today